0: I prayed over you this week that God would give you faith to step out in a courageous way, and my heart is uh, very, very committed to you. Um, For some of you who have not heard me speak before, and I kind of come off a bit strong, all right, you need to know that my name, Marty, means warrior. Okay, and my uh, my given name is Martha, and that means lady, so I'm a lady warrior, and um, I want you to know that I'm very, very passionate about you, your life, what God has for you, and um, I, when I prepare a talk, I sit many, many hours before the Lord, and you need to know that I come with trembling when i speak to you because i the words that god has for me to give to you are not always easy and so uh, i have to really really surrender to god that he would give me the boldness to go ahead and, and share with you what he has told me to give to you and i want you to know that i share it with you because he tells me to and because he loves you and because i have to so last week we t- I talked to you about uh, David's strength, and I told you how awesome he was, you know, from 15 to 30, and, it, you know, he's just great. And um, we're going to continue now with David's weaknesses. And so we're, we're heading now into 2 Samuel, and it's still going to read like a Francine Rivers novel. There's still amazing things that are going to come out of this. Um, what I'm going to be focusing on is I've identified David having two idols in his life, and the two idols in his life, our women and his children surprise surprise David was a polygamous and in Deuteronomy 17:7 God makes it very clear that we are to only have one spouse but when David became king and he was king in Hebron David had eight wives When he moved to, seven years later, when he moved to Jerusalem, he got more wives and more concubines. And um, this sin of polygamy led to adultery. And so some of you may know that he committed adultery with Bathsheba. And this uh, act of adultery had devastating consequences for David's family and for the nation of Israel. David was also, uh, because of this uh, idolatry of, of women, he also committed murder. In Exodus 20:14, God says, do not murder. That's one of the Ten Commandments. And um, I talked to you last week about David's mighty men. And the husband of the woman that he committed adultery with was a mighty man. His name was Uriah the Hittite. And David, in his sin, was trying to get Uriah to sin. And one of the things that the mighty men would do when they would go into battle is that they would consecrate themselves to God, and they would abstain from sex. So David, trying to cover up up his sin, tried to get Uriah to sin against God, but Uriah refused, and he would not do what David did, and David had him murdered. The other sin for David is he was a negligent and absent father. He was a lax father who refused to discipline his children when they did wrong. His excuse was that he loved them too much. It was too hard for him to follow through and to discipline them. And as a result, he also failed to protect his children. And when it, I need you to know that um, David had 19 sons and one daughter. And his four oldest sons came from different moms. So uh, having these different moms created a rivalry among these these men. So what are the consequences of David's sin? From scripture, we, we learn that polygamy has terrible results. The kids end up fighting with each other. There's rivalry, and often there is murder. And this was no different for the house of David. And not not only that, you need to know that these four sons, they were in line to inherit the kingdom. We know from Scripture that God chose David. But still, if you have to look at the story, even though the sons knew that God chose Solomon, Solomon to be the the inherit the kingdom from David these sons still see were having to wrestle that out because they're next in line and they all have different moms and the other interesting thing is that David had favoritism he had favorite sons and they knew who they were These the sin of polygamy had great devastation, great challenge for David. Now, according to the law, for the adultery and the murder that David committed, he should have died. That was the law. You, you, you die for your sin. And um, but David confessed his sin, and, and God chose to forgive David, and spare his life. God extended wonderful grace to David, and David, in his psalms, will write about God's grace to him God's love for him and he is a believer of and and practices repentance but in spite of this um, grace that God gave David there were consequences for David's sin and um, one of the um, well, I'm going to identify three sins that affected David. The first one was um, the sin of sex, the sin of violence, and the negligence as a parent to discipline his children and to be there for his children. So here we're going to go into this, uh, how this played out in David's life. David's oldest son, Amnon, raped his half-sister, Tamar. And in his love for this son, David loved Amnon, loved him dearly. David did not discipline him. What he should have done is he should have required Amnon, because he was a stepsister, to marry Tamar, but he didn't. David felt very grieved and very sad, but he did not follow through with what he needed to do. And not only that, poor Tamar lived a life of shame and a feeling of unworthiness because her dad did not step in to bring her honor. Now, Tamar has a a brother, Absalom. And Absalom was very angry at the injustice that was done and that his dad did not take action against Amnon. And Absalom knew that Amnon was dad's favorite. So Absalom takes justice into his own hands, and he murders Amnon. And as a result of that, he develops a real resentment towards his dad and eventually takes the kingdom from his dad. And even when he does that, David doesn't even go after Absalom. He's like, Absalom, he doesn't go after him. He He doesn't take justice against his son. His general Joab has to say, You have to do something. You have to stand up against this injustice. And then we know that King David has Solomon. And now Solomon's going to outdo his dad like Major. Remember, David had eight? Well, King Solomon has 300 wives and 700 concubines. And he brings the nation of Israel into idolatry. And as a result of that, the kingdom of David is divided and has yet to be reunited. What the heck, huh? Remember last week I just told you how amazing he was and how great he was? And now we see these amazing flaws in this man. So why would God still call David a man after his own heart, even with all of the serious consequences of his sin? And this is where we, we get boggled by the, the, the mind of God and his grace for us, the grace that he has for us, his love for us, and how when we repent of our sin, God will forgive us. And that is what David is known for, is for having a repentant heart. When, when David was confronted about his sin by the prophet Nathan, he did not excuse himself, he did not justify himself like Saul. He said, he acknowledged, he says, against uh, I, have, I have sinned, I have done it. He owned it. This is the heart that God wants for us. Last week I was talking about faith and how faith pleases God. And what pleases God is that we acknowledge our sin and that we repent of it and that we recognize that we have sinned against the Lord God. That pleases God as well. But God still allowed these consequences to come as a result of David's sin. And God is going to allow consequences to come up for our sin. His grace will cover our sin. He will not hold it against us and not allow you into heaven in in, in that. But he is going to allow the consequences of your your sin to have its fruit because he has to remind us of our idolatry so that we will stop practicing idols. So we can stop that behavior and get stronger in him. David had faith in God's holiness and sovereignty and he knew that God is God and even though these consequences came and one of the the major consequences that he had was that that child that he birthed with Bathsheba died and he prayed and he fasted and he asked God to spare this child he labored in prayer knowing that God had already said this child would die and the child died, and David got up and he took a bath and he ate and he went on with life. And people are saying, Your child is dead. You should be mourning now. And he says, No, I will see that child now when I when I die, I will see that child. But while the child was still alive, see, David still believed in God's grace. That God could possibly still answer his prayer because he knew of God's grace. But once God took the child, David accepted the consequence. He accepted it. And he was not bitter, he was not resentful to God. He recognized that that was God's mercy on him. And in that consequence, we learn that Our God is not a negligent dad. You see that? Our God is not a negligent dad. He will discipline us because he loves us. And we are to understand that and not be angry about that when we sin and there are consequences to our sin. But to recognize that God is allowing that consequence so that it will purify us and make us stronger and draw us to him and it'll get us to not do that again. Our, our God is not a negligent father. In the 21 days that we spent praying, one of our uh, requests of God the Father was that he would make us holy, that he would release a desire for holiness in our church. And... Um, and that is what God is desiring of us, is holiness. And we have to grasp the idols that we have in our life so that we can repent of them, be freed of them, and move forward into the things that God has for us. Now, I highlighted these weaknesses of David, and they're big, they're huge. But if you continue to read through Second Samuel You will read over and over that the Lord gave David great victory and that the Lord was with him. So though there is this thread, see, of the consequences, there still is this huge covering of grace on David. All right? I want you to grasp those almost contradicting things. I live with a lot of grace. You live with a lot of grace. But there are certain consequences that we still have to walk out because of sins that we've committed, decisions that we've made, and we still have to walk them out. And then God gives us the strength, see, to go forward. I want to give you a definition for holiness. It's very simple, but I want you to write it down. Holiness is, I don't want to sin. I Don't want to sin, and underline the word want. Because we sin. We sin. But what God is looking for in our heart is that we do not want to sin. We don't want to sin. And when we don't want to sin, we, we approach our lives very differently. God, through the death of Jesus Christ, has given us victory over sin. I'm going to read you from Romans 6, 18, and I, I, I believe it's verse 21, and I'm reading it from the, the New Living Testament. And this scripture is going to be in your homework. But now you are free from the power of sin and have become slaves of God. Now you do those things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life. God has given us through the power of the Holy Spirit the ability to overcome our sins. He has given us the ability to say no to sin. He has given the ability to, when we sin, to get up and say, I'm not going to do that again, and to go forward. And we receive that through the power of the Holy Spirit. That is his gift to us. What I'm wanting to impress on you today is that we would learn to examine ourselves for idols And that we would not coddle our sin or the sin of our children. Now, I know you're saying, you know, Marty, you know, I haven't committed adultery. I haven't done murder. You know, I haven't. I haven't. I'm not a polygamist, just. But there are sins that have come down that through our families. In counseling, we get trained to do a family tree. And so if I'm going to interview you for. Um. You know, my first session with you, I'm gonna take a history of you, and you're gonna you're coming in and you're telling me, oh, I want help with my marriage, and these are the dynamics that are going on with my marriage, and I'll say, okay, you know, and then I'll, and then I'm gonna ask you, so tell me about your parents' marriage, you know, tell me about your grandparents' marriage, tell me about your sister's marriage, and see, I will begin to see a pattern, I will begin to see a history, I'll be I'll, be, I'll begin to see this, you know. Generational sin, so to speak, that has come down through your family. If you if you come to me and you and you're coming in as an individual, I'll ask you, and you'll say, "I'm coming in because you know, um, uh, I, I'm, I'm I'm really depressed, you know, and and so I I, I want help with overcoming you know my depression. I'm, I'm tired of having that, and I'm I'm giving you a generalized form. So this isn't like you're this is how it is exactly exactly. But I will ask you. Has anyone else in your family struggled with depression? And I will begin to learn uh, some of the dynamics that have gone on in your family that will give me a lot of insight as to why you think the way you think and why you do the things that you do. Because these are things that you have learned and, and, and received from your family. So, for example, David's sons were great leaders like their dad. They were great warriors like their dad. Understand? They were. Those were the good things that they did for their dad. But the things that were their weaknesses were the weaknesses of their dad because their dad did not correct them and teach them and show them the way. And it's really hard when you have 19 sons to do that really well. I can imagine. You know, some of us only have two and we're doing that. Um, but so there, there was these things that came down that that these sons did not have the knowledge and the correction about how to do it, how to do it right. I want to give you uh, an example of myself. Um, when when I went in to get my counseling, I, I was going in because I had issues. You know, I was I was uh, I, ha- I was very self conscious. I had a, I, I was anxious about anything, um, and um, and I had anger. And I thought that um this had to do with my dad. my dad uh was for me a very demanding person, and I thought it was his fault and as my therapist would ask me questions and help me get my tree um she shared i, sh- I talked about my childhood, and my mother worked full time all my life and my um and her mother uh and dad. My mother, when she was a child, worked in the fields, and so she, was, she worked all her life and uh, did not have a very close relationship with her mother. Her mother was very busy with 13 children and an alcoholic husband. So when uh, I was describing my life, and I said, well, my mom is, works full-time, and I thought very highly of my mother. I love my mother very dearly. My whole family thought very highly of her. Anybody that would be married to my dad I thought was pretty amazing. Uh, and you need to know, my mother never was disrespectful to my dad. I mean, she, she blew me away. Um, and so I had high regard for my mother. My mother could do no wrong. But I described myself to her, my therapist as a child. And I'm gonna, by fifth grade, by fifth grade, um, I had green teeth because I didn't brush my teeth. My hair, I would put in a ponytail, and I would just put a comb like this. I don't know if you've ever done that. And what you end up, you get these little knots at the back of your your head, you know, the ponytail with knots. And I could literally sleep in my clothes for a couple of days. I could uh, actually go for a while and not take a bath, and I would have, like, grunge around my neck. It's fifth grade. So my therapist says to me, I'm laughing, you know, because I think it's funny my therapist says to me, you know, Marty, your, your mom could be reported for negligence to child abuse. I'm like, what? What? See, I didn't know any better. You see what I'm saying? Because this was not something that I understood. Th- this was something that I did not understand that my mom was sinning against me in this way by neglecting me. I didn't understand it. But all this time, see, I thought my issues were with my dad because he was a bear." But it turned out that no, it had more to do with my mom never being there for me. I was alone. And though I was there with her, she wouldn't see me. How many of you would notice if your teeth had you know, your kids had green teeth? How many would you I mean, you know what I mean? How many of you would notice if they had grunge around their neck? Well, oh, when Mindy was born, she was bald, and I literally scraped that little kid down. People would say, How can you scrape your baby down so much? She's gotta be clean. <laughs> you know? Her little head would be like, "Yeah," just like she had no hair, and I'm scrubbing her. She doesn't even have hair on it. I don't care. I want her clean. Because I had that reality for myself. But I need you to—I need you to know something about how this sin was passed down for me. Because even though I was aware of that one about cleaning her, I also had the inability to nurture this child when I had her because I didn't know how to do that. I had a working mom. And I didn't know how to be there for Mindy. I didn't know how to see her. I knew how to take care of her surroundings. I knew how to, you know, I did better than my mother. And the job that I had, I worked at home, so I was, she was actually with me. And so I did better. I did better. But I did not. And in, in, in Mindy, I, s- I, would I asked her one time, I said, Mindy, when you think of me when you were little, what was it like for you? She says, Mom, I remember you always being there, but you never read a book with me. You never sat down and played with me. Beloved, I didn't. I didn't see it. And it wasn't until I started pressing into the Lord and really wanting to have this close relationship with him and being a holy daughter that the Lord began to show me these areas where my family had an idolatry of work. It's all about work. And they worked hard. And we all learned how to work hard. And it was a good thing. But the bad thing was is that we as mothers and as parents did not know how to nurture our children. So I God led me to this incredible thing. I was like, I had told Todd, I said, I don't stay at home and I don't cook and I said all these things. And then I had this totally repentant heart, and I had Mindy and Breeze here with me, and Breeze six years after Mindy, because I wasn't gonna have any more children, I was gonna be a career person and you know, get a doctorate and be a professor and do all of that. And God changed my heart and I go, I need to learn how to be a mother. I need to learn how to even be a wife, and so I became a stay-at-home mom, and I have to apologize to Mindy, and I said, Mindy, I'm so sorry, I said, because you're going to have more issues than Bree, because when I raised you, I raised you how I was raised, and you're going to have more insecurity, you're going to have more self-consciousness, you're going to have more challenges, because I wasn't there, and Bree's different, But I share that with you because God in his grace and his mercy revealed this area revealed the sin that had come down through my through my line and this idolatry and has his grace you see has brought new life has brought a new thing my daughters are very nurturing they're very loving I'm so grateful for that and yes I've grown in my nurturance too <laughs> and, and 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 it was it was wonderful it was wonderful but What I'm asking you today, what I'm asking you today is to really search and ask the Lord to show you. When David says, you know, in Psalm 139, 23, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thought and see if there be any hurtful way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. That we would search ourselves to see if there's any idols that we did not know were idols in our family. And, and that God, in his grace and his mercy, would reveal that to us so that we can break the power of that sin, even though we didn't know it was a sin. And some of us do know of some sins that we have that have come down. And that we could bring them to God so that he we can give it to him. And, and, and through the power of the Holy Spirit, who is able to overcome, he can break these things in us and set us free from it and bring in a new life. You see, because until, until the Holy Spirit can come into this actual hidden place, it's just hidden. Because we have to give the Lord permission to come into it, all right? And that's why David could walk and have all this grace and all this favor and still have this pocket <laughs> where, where God has not come in. And, we, and, and God still loves us and God's still with us. But, but until we let him in, we're kind of like crippled in that area. You see what I'm saying? And that's what I'm wanting you to look at. Practice repentance on a daily basis, beloved. On a daily basis. I told Bree that I was going to use her as an example. <laughs> but when Bree was little and I w- put her to bed and, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I was teaching her that she was a sinner, I wanted her to know she was a sinner. I needed her to know she was a sinner. And I said, Bree, you know, why don't you, you know, repent and of the sins that you've committed today. Little Bree goes, Mom, I didn't sin today. I didn't commit any sins today. I said, well, Brie, remember, you know, about 15 minutes ago when I told you to go to bed and you got really mad at me and you yelled at me? Oh, yeah. You remember earlier in the day when I asked you to clean your room and you're like, oh, you always want everything perfect and blah, 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 blah. Those are sins. She's like, oh, okay. Light bulb. I wanted her to know she's a sinner because I want her to walk in that holiness, in that righteousness in that reality, because that makes her dependent on God. God doesn't want us to be good. God wants us to be holy. Holy. Through the blood of Jesus Christ, you're made righteous. You are made right with God. You are right with God. God loves you the way you are. He's not going to love you any more than he is. His love for you is fully, fully there. But holiness, beloved, holiness is a constant growth. And walking towards not uh, being a sinful person and not practicing sin in your life, right? And so we need God through the Holy Spirit to show us areas where we still sin. As a therapist, I want you to know that most people will think of their psychological symptoms and their and their and their beliefs as you. Know, psychological. I have to teach them though. This is sin. There's, there's a lack of, you know worry here there's a lack of faith in here you got to look at you got to look at your lack of faith you got to look at it all right and so you want that wisdom you want that insight from god so that you can become mighty warriors really victorious really strong in the lord so then now you got to teach your children teach your children that they're sinners teach them to repent teach them to recognize what sin is I really, really loved it when, um, when Mindy was in high school. I think she might even been out of high school already. And she came down and, and said, Mom, I need to talk to you about this sin I'm really having a hard time with. Do you, know, do you know how privileged I felt that my daughter could talk to me about a sin that she was struggling with? I could never do that with my parents. My parents wanted me to be good and perfect and right, and I could not make a mistake, and I couldn't do anything. You know what I mean? And, and, and so I had to hide things. And so here's my daughter coming and say, "Mom, I need you to help me with this sin that I'm struggling with." And I thought, "Dude, this is what I do. This is my job." Sit yeah. down. And, and so I began to teach her about how God, you know, wants us to deal with sin. And I and I walked her through it. I asked her, "Does that make sense to you? Do you understand that?" Yeah, I said. Do you have any questions? And and I said, "You know, how is it? You know, how are you applying it? Can you make?" It? And so she went, like, "Well, this is what I would do." So th- and she had, and I said, "Okay." And She goes, "Mom, thank you. That was really helpful." And she walked away, and I go, "Yes." Because my daughter was born a sinner. And my daughter was learning that she is a sinner and I don't want to sin. And what do I need to do? And I could teach her that. I didn't sit on the couch and cry and say, I can't believe my daughter's sinning. I all the oh, things that I've done wrong. I didn't do that. I didn't do that because that's the reality of who she is. But I was thrilled that that Bree can come to me and say, Mom, I'm struggling with this, and we can sit in the car for three hours and, and, and work it out, and we can talk like it's, you know, math. Because that's what we want as moms. We want our children to believe that they can talk to us, and that we're going to lead them to the throne of grace. So teach your children. Teach your children that they're sinners. In the back of Of this outline there's four questions and discussion questions that I have for you really want to encourage you to go through them take your time going through them and really really allow the Holy Spirit to begin to move and stir and strengthen and remove things that are in your life because I strongly believe that you are called to be a mighty warrior for God I strongly believe that your houses are meant to be holy houses and that you are meant to be holy people. Bless you, dear friends. Thank you.